your bank account is close to red. You want to cry yourself to bed. It could be worse. You could be dead. Remember what I said. Stay positive. When the folks next door have a bigger home, a nice sports car and a garden gnome, your minivan has zero chrome. You're blessed with what's your own. Stay positive. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Alex Barrett, and I'm the pastor here at Ridgeview Church. I want to just say two words. You're welcome. That song will be stuck in your head all day, I assure you, because I've watched it a few times, and that whistling kind of... You like it for the first five seconds, and then it gets a little little old. Uh, what's interesting about the, the title, we've been talking this series we started last month called Stay Positive. And when I look at the image on the screen there, and I think of those two words, stay positive, that's one of those phrases that uh, is cliche. It's very easy to say, but it's hard to do. It's hard to experience in life. But I think growing up, we've all been told that. We just got to stay positive or be positive, think positively, whatever it is. But oftentimes, we know the, the, the idea, but we lack the experience. And so what we're talking about in this series is how do we take an idea that, for most of us, is probably a cliche idea, and how do we begin to experience what that actually looks like and what's actually real? And so last month, just to catch you all up, we talked about this idea of being optimistic. How do you actually be an optimistic person? And you've heard that idea of it's either half full or half empty, and that depends on how you look at things. And so your outlook in life is very crucial to the experiences that you have. And so in this series, we're actually taking a look at what if you were to change the way that you look at things? And if you're to look at things differently, how does that actually change your life differently? And so today we're talking about moving beyond just being optimistic to being a person that says, I'm grateful. I'm a grateful person. Now, to me, I can say that. But again, that's one of those things that's easy to say. But in the midst of life, there's a lot of things that I want. There's a lot of things that I have that I wish was different. And that's this idea of easy to say I'm grateful. But in the thick of things, sometimes I'm not a person that, that has a lot of gratitude. I can forget. And so we're going to talk about how do we actually grow that in our life and look uh, at, it, at it differently. And I want to start with just the things in our life that are the most uh, pressing or, or grinding on us. And so how many of you guys say, you know, I frequent fast food places? How many of you would say you go fast food? Now, it's one of those things like you look around, you kind of don't want to admit it, but we all do it. How many of you have ever felt that you're in a fast food drive-in longer than you should be? Right? Isn't that, it's interesting. Like, if a burger takes six minutes, we get very agitated. You find that? Like, it should be three. We're talking about food that we actually eat. But we get very frustrated. It's this idea of it's fast food, but it's not fast enough. How many of you guys drive? Okay. Quite a few of us. How many of you drive in the fast lane and get frustrated behind people because you're like, you're not going fast enough? Any, any, it's the fast lane. Or the person that's in the carpool, they go like 40. You ever had that person? What about any slow lane drivers? It's okay. You can show yourself here. Okay, I see you. Slow lane drivers. Have you ever been in the slow lane but people aren't going, you know, they're still going too slow? 
found that? Like I find I get in the slow and I'm like, come on, speed up. The person's like, I'm here for a reason. It's called the slow lane. I'm like, yeah, but flow of traffic. You know, isn't that your favorite? Like I use flow of traffic for everything. You speed because it's the flow of traffic. Speed up, it's the flow of traffic. There's no one on the road, but there's this flow of traffic that we all envision. But these are things that like, you know, can grind on us that sometimes we're not grateful because food isn't fast enough or traffic isn't slow enough or traffic isn't fast enough. And then you ever come into your closet and you have clothes and you look at your pants and you look at your shirt and you look at your shoes and you're like, I have nothing to wear. How many of you have said that in the last week? I have nothing to wear. Right? And then how many of you, maybe you can relate to this. You open your fridge and you're like scanning, you're like, no, no. And, and you, you, you see this, and like, I don't know, how old is that? That's maybe over a week. You know, the week test, if it's a week or less, you can eat it. Over a week, you might not be able to. And you start looking, you're gauging, and then you look at your fridge full, and you just say, I've got nothing to eat. And then you kind of want to go to the fast food, and then that takes too long. And on the way there, someone's going too slow. So yeah, this, this all compounds. So we, can, we live in this world where things just, we have an idea of what we want to happen, expectation. And people do that to us, too. We have an expectation of what somebody should do for us, whether it's a loved one, a neighbor, a coworker, And we may not even have realized it, but we tend to get frustrated. And oftentimes, if you experience frustration, that's kind of a notice, like a little flag's going up that you had an expectation. And so all of us deal with this. And these things, these things that, that we, we want to see happen but aren't happening, we have an expectation that's, that's unmet, these really, over time, can grind on us and they can kind of put us to the person where we, we could just be a complaining type person. Now, I'm not going to ask you that question, but how many of you in the last week, and you don't have to raise your hand, this is where it gets a little too real, but how many in the last week would you say, you know, I, I complained. I complained more than once. I know I, know I have. Like I, I've complained. Something didn't go my way. And I think we have an epidemic in our culture right now because of social media and because of just the news, it's always out there and there's communication always out there that, that there's just so many instances to get kind of swept into this, this complaining or pessimistic view of life. And so we actually need help. We need to be able to, to look at things differently to experience the, the gratitude that, that God wants us to have. He actually made us to be a type of people that are thankful and Thanksgiving is, is this week. But I don't know about you, but sometimes Thanksgiving morning, I like wake up and I'm like, okay, it's time to be thankful. But it's, it's actually so much more than a day. It's actually supposed to be the way that you live as a thankful person. And so that's what I want to talk about. But I want to start with a, with a story that, that Jesus had in, in the New Testament of the Bible. And this is an interaction that he had with a group uh, called lepers. And there were ten lepers that he interacted with. And in this story... You, you can see just that the struggle that we all have, despite even great things that we've been given. And so I want to show this. You can see this on the screen. It's found in, in the book of Luke, and this is what happens. It says, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. So this is Jesus. So Jesus is on his way from Samaria to Galilee. And then there's a map here that you'll see. And so you see Galilee is there, and Samaria is in the middle. Judea is at the bottom. Samaria represents kind of foreign territory. And so Jesus is traveling and he encounters a group of people. Let's go to the next scripture there. As he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. 
Now, I don't know if you've heard of the word leper before, of somebody who has leprosy. It's not something that we actually see in, in this country. But it was a deadly, one of the worst diseases that you could have in the time that the Bible was written. You were considered an outcast. You were considered an unclean person. In fact, just to kind of make matters worse for you, if you had leprosy, you had to walk with your shirt open so people could see the, the sores on your skin. And as you walked, you had to yell, leper, 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 so everyone who knew you were coming could clear of your path. I don't know about you, but that sounds about like the worst life you could have. You can't hug a family member and somebody who you love. You can't interact with people socially. Before you ever get to some place, they know you're coming because you have to proclaim you're, you're an unclean person. And so when they cry out to Jesus, have mercy on us, it's because they face this life-altering disease that, that took really hope and any sort of experience that we'd like as a human it took that that away from them they basically had this group the lepers that you were with and that was your lot in life so the crowd have mercy on us we've tried different things and nothing has worked but jesus we've heard you know they knew who he was we've heard that that you've healed people so this have mercy is maybe he who's healed other people maybe he can heal us and then look look what happens when he saw them he said to them Go and show yourselves to the priests. Now, this is something that happens a lot in the Bible. Jesus commands something, but he asks the people that he's commanding for them to do something. I will act as you act. That's what faith is. So what Jesus is saying is, do what I tell you. And if you do what you tell you, if, I, if you do what I tell you, see, see something will, will work. I will do something. And so he wanted to see their, their level of faith. Would they go and show themselves to the priests? Because he could have just healed them there. Just on the spot, you're healed. And they could have been healed. But he says, go, show yourselves to the priests. And then it goes on. And as they went, they were cleansed. So as they went, so as they stepped out and did what he had told them to, that's the faith. Jesus commands, they stepped. They took a step of faith. What happened is they were cleansed. Now, notice this next part. Then one of them, how many of them? One. And how many of them were there total? Ten. So ten percent. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, so as he's going to the priest, he looks down and his sores are no longer there. The person who is unclean is now clean. Jesus had healed him. Then he saw that he was healed. He turned back from going to the priest, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. The reason the story has that is, again, he was a foreigner. He was not an Israelite. He was not a Jewish person that was of the family of God. He was this foreigner that in the moment of walking to the priest, looked down and saw that he was healed and turned around and praised Jesus who had healed him. So it's interesting. We're in a time of statistics and elections and, you know, there's a, We've just had that. And, but 10%, no matter how you spin it, is a very low number. Only one out of that 10 turned around. Now, Jesus, uh, he's perceptive. He's always looking in his teachings. He's always looking for a teachable moment. He's always looking at what happens around him and using that to expound and kind of explain what life is about. 
And so what Jesus does is he actually asks what I think all of us are thinking. Now, one of them, and you ask, well, what, what happened to the other ten? Well, see what Jesus says. He says, then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? There were ten lepers. Were they not cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. I love that story. Because Jesus asked the question that we all want to know. Which is, well, what, what happened to the other nine? And I started to think, could you imagine if you had lived your life in this just terrible circumstance, and that's been all you've known, and in an instant you're healed because Jesus healed you, what would cause somebody to continue and not turn back and thank the person? So I began to think about that. If I was one of the nine, so I started to think, well, maybe you have lived your whole life with this disease that you didn't even want to take the time to turn back. Like there's no time to waste. Maybe these people just wanted to rush home to their family. Maybe they had things that they've never been able to do. And they're like, now is my time. They didn't even think, can I turn around and give thanks? So maybe that, that could have been some of the people. Then I thought, well, what if maybe it was like a coincidence? You know, Jesus, we asked you to heal us, and then we got healed, but maybe it wasn't you that did it. Maybe it was like miraculously, they just thought like, that soap I tried last month finally is working. And they were healed. Maybe it's just Jesus didn't do it. It was a coincidence. And I think this is probably true of many of them. Maybe there was one that didn't turn back. And as the one didn't turn back, the other saw. And maybe another person saw that he didn't turn back and they followed. And then this person's looking at two people that didn't turn back and he goes with them. And then the next person sees there's three people and you get the picture. So there's a majority of people who were just going along their own way and didn't turn back. I think what Jesus is picking up at here is, is this is actually who we are. If 90%, that's the majority, don't turn back and give thanks, I think that very well represents us. We're probably in that group. And I think the parallels are true for us today. With all that we've been given, even things that have changed our life for the better, it's hard for us to slow down. Because we have too much we need to do. Maybe we just don't want to give God credit. It's because of me, because of my own effort. Or maybe it's just not the normal thing to do for the people that I know. Maybe it's not the cool thing for me to do based on everybody I know. It's not culturally, it doesn't seem acceptable. And so I think this is, this is us today. And so what I want to do is, is I believe this is an issue for all of us, this idea of how do we become people that are actually grateful. I want to shift gears to, okay, if this is us, if we're kind of in this 90% of people, that struggle with gratitude. How do we move over to that side to be the kind of people that will turn back and give thanks where thanks should be given? And I want to do that by focusing on three phrases that we can adopt. And these are, these are statements of how to become a grateful person. And so you'll, you'll see it up here. So I can be grateful because here's the first one. Every good thing I have comes from God. Now, this is one of those statements that it doesn't really pull any punches. But as you dig into the scripture, this is actually what the Bible says. And you see it in James 4. It's right there. It says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow 
do to change. So every gift that you've been given in your life, any part of good that's been given into your life, what the Bible is saying is it's from God. It's not actually from our family. We can be blessed from our family, but the gifts that we've been given, they're from God himself. And notice it's from the Father of lights. It's this idea that the creator has created us. And he's given us so much out of his goodness. And so to become a grateful person, there's a shift that you have to make where you realize that the good in your life is not just due to you working hard. It's not just due to luck. It's not just due to your heritage. It's not just due to your upbringing. It's due to the fact that God, since you were born, and even before that, before you Even on this earth, God had a plan for you, and he wanted to pursue you, and he wanted to know you. And so there is a goodness that we experience by being on this earth that we don't even comprehend. And so I begin thinking, well, what are are some of these gifts? Well, you're here today. You have the gift of life. You woke up this morning, and you had breath in your lungs. That's a gift. You walk outside and you can see this beautiful creation. That's a gift. God created that. You have family. You have friends. You have people and relationships. Even if you wished you had more, you've still been given a gift. And so to be a grateful person, it starts with realizing that we have been given so much from a good God. And that God loves us. And the reason we're here on this earth is to be in a personal relationship with him. And I can become a grateful person as I invite him into my life to lead me and as I have a relationship with him. What begins to happen as you follow Jesus and he becomes your leader in your life, all the things around you begin to see, like that that was from the hand of God. That was from the hand of God. These good and these perfect gifts. He blesses those that he made. And as creator, he made us all. So to become a grateful person, it starts with that idea. I can be grateful because every good thing I have comes from God. So that's that's the first statement. The second statement is this. I can be grateful because I will not let what I want rob me of what I have. Now I'm saying this at like, we're less than a week from Black Friday, people. Have you ever seen a Black Friday ad? And they do it so perfectly. You can do it online and you can get alerts and then you can get the catalog and it's mailed to you. And, and you open it up and all of a sudden you see things that you never realized you needed. Not just want, like you need that in your life. You didn't realize it until you saw the ad. That, that's me. I, I recently, just to illustrate this even more, I recently got a, a new TV. Because like my wall was too big. And my TV was too small. And so as I began to shop for a, a new TV, that's kind of this real measure of like what every good gift, but what, what's good enough like for the size of a TV? And I started to think like, okay, is this 55 inch? That was kind of my benchmark. And then I said, well, what if like could a 58 fit? Like a 65, could I wrap it around, drop it up, cut up a wall? Guys, you know what I'm saying. Like, I'm speaking your language right now. Y'all, the men, like, they're, they're shaking, hoping their wife doesn't see them. But, yeah, you know. There's something about a TV, like, man, we, we want that. 
But it's crazy. Once I started looking and thinking I needed a new TV, I never looked at my old TV the same. And that was a 42-inch. I'm like, what is this mini DVD player I have? Am I supposed to carry this in the van? Now, like, it just seems so small. But that is a, a lesson in life. As you look at the things you don't have, you begin to not appreciate the things that you do. Isn't that true? Like, you don't notice that you need a new car until, like, your neighbor gets one. You're like, whoa, what year is that? And they're like, new. You're like, oh, that's recent. <laughs> you have to start subtracting the year that your was made, you know. But all of us, we deal with this. And I think one of the things that makes us struggle is we begin to look at everything that we don't have instead of the things that we do. And so that there's, there's a scripture to illustrate this, and you'll see this up on the screen. Ecclesiastes 6.9. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless, like chasing the wind. Have you ever chased the wind? Like recently? <laughs> kind of a weird thing, you know? What you doing today? Are you running? No. Like as a kid, you could do that. As an adult, it's kind of weird. Just say you're running, even if you just want to chase the wind. But nothing good comes from chasing the wind, except chap lips. Okay? You don't chase the wind. Nothing happens. But what the writer of Ecclesiastes is, is like poetry. It's like wisdom. They give like a little, little nugget of something. What he's saying is, when you're looking at things that you don't have and not focusing on what you do, you're wasting your time. You are wasting your time. And the time represents life. So you're wasting your life. And so to become a grateful person, you learn to be content with what you have. And so part of it is you have to be careful what you start to look at. The comparison of people around you. And it starts, and so it begins like, okay, I need to be thankful. I need to really have this, this understanding of I have been given great things. And I have actually everything that I need. To exercise this point, if, if you make minimum wage in the United States, you make more than 32 times the average of people in the world. 32 times. But even when you hear that, aren't you like, well, what would 32 times my minimum wage be? You start to think, well, what's more of that? If you have three meals a day, which I think most of us do, you may have had, this is your second breakfast with a Panera bagel this morning. Most of the world doesn't have like three meals a day. 88% of Americans own at least one car. Many own two or even more. Most of the world, they, they don't even own a single car. And so some of the time it's just a shift in perspective. It's realizing all that we've been given. Even the simple things like just food. And, and a job, people, these are all gifts. And if you focus on that, you're not robbed and chasing the wind by all the things that you, that you don't have. And so here, here's the third statement. So we started off, so I, I can be grateful because every good thing I have comes from God. Second, I will not let what I want rob me of what I have. And then third, I'll turn every blessing I have into praise. Now, I heard a guy say this, and this, this was helpful to me. Every time you're blessed with something, if you don't turn it into a praise, 
it becomes pride. And so when you hear people and Christians and people talking about the, the Bible, like praise, it's really this idea of it's not necessarily singing. We think praise like I just sing, like every time I'm given something, like, thank you, God. Have you ever thought that? You don't actually have to do that. The praise is just, thank you, God, for what you've given me. Thank you for this blessing. Thank you for waking me up this morning. Thank you for the car that got me to where I need to go. Thank you for the money that allowed me to fix the car that didn't get me to where I needed to go. Thank you for the mom that lent me the money. To... Even in the hard things, you can be blessed, right? And this praise is the idea of when the blessing comes, you, you turn that into this channel back to God. Like, I'm not going to just hold on to this blessing and just think it's about me and my own effort. I'm going to turn to God and thank him for it. And so if, if you've not prayed much, a simple prayer that you can do, even when you're just investigating what it means to follow Jesus, is something like, thank you, God, for another day. You've actually prayed. You're not, you didn't have to use any weird words. But that's a way that you can give a praise to God. Thank you, God, for another day. Thank you, God, for what you've given me today. That's what it means. But when we forget God, we're like the nine. We've been blessed, but instead of turning back, we just focus on our own effort. We focus on our own work. But even the effort that we have and the talents that you've been given, you've developed them yourself, but God even has a hand in that because he made you, and he made you unique. So even that, in your own wiring, in your own work, God has his hand. And so that's this idea that I can turn every blessing I have into praise because if not, then it becomes about me. It becomes about pride and what I can do. And that fuels ungratefulness because then people owe us. So the way you counter that is, thank you, God, for what you've done. There's a scripture related to this. Psalm 63, 4 through 5. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Now, sometimes you read the Bible and you're like, what? Fat and rich food? You ever had like a good good meal? And after that, you're like, Guys, what I'm talking about? Last night, we, we had steak. Anybody like steak? If you don't like steak, you don't even need to say anything, okay? But I feel like everyone loves steak unless you don't, and that's okay. But after a steak meal, there's just something different that happens in my life when I don't eat steak. And there, there, it's, it's, I think, kind of related to this. There's something about good food, rich food, maybe a little fatty food where you eat and you're like, man, that is good. We had some mac and cheese. I'm just letting you in. This is all my life, guys. For breakfast, I had, um, we had some mac and cheese from Costco last night. It's called, like, the world's best, I think. And I can vouch. And after I ate that, it, I was living Psalm 63. Man, fat and rich food. You can only have half a cup or you might not make it long. But as, after I ate that, it was like, wow, that was that was so good. And so they're using this, this analogy, like that feeling of being blessed by a good meal. The person who follows Jesus and has a relationship with him, you, you go along and, and it's that same feeling of like, I, I am so satisfied with all that God has done. I'm so thankful for his provision. I look around and I see what he's given me and he is so good. 
And so I, I want to illustrate how to get to this point where you have this like, I will bless you as long as I live, like as long as I have breath, which is the gift that you've given. As long as I have that, I'm going to bless your name. Here, here's a little exercise I want you to do. But before I do it, I want to share a story. About a year ago, I get a call. I'm at a meeting, like an early morning meeting with a, a friend. And we're meeting, and I get a call from my wife. And she says, Katie, that's our daughter. Katie, Katie's not here. This is like first thing in the morning. Katie's gone. She's not in our room. And you, you, know, you kind of have one of those phone calls, and you, I'm trying to get my mind around it. I'm thinking, like, what do you mean? That's never a good, what do you mean? I mean she's not in her room. You know, we're having this discussion, like, well, where, where is she? I don't know where she is. And so I'm, I'm in this meeting with my buddy. I'm like, that was my wife, and Katie's not at home. And in an instant, like, I thought my life changed. My daughter, who was there the night before in the morning, is gone. And so I said, okay. And she's like, do I call the police? I was like, well, hold on. Let me, let me come home. And so I was about five minutes away. So I get into my car, and I close the door, and I drive away. And, like, it's like my life is flashing before me. And I start to, like, run scenarios, like, was she kidnapped? Like, did she run away? I was like, I didn't think we are at that runaway phase yet. Like, you know, all this is going on. Like, what is happening? Like, where is she? And, it, and I just cry out to God. I'm like, God, will you protect her? And I'm, like, freaking out. Even thinking about it right now, I'm getting emotional because it was just this, like, flash of, like, my life. Like, it's going to change. It's never going to be the same. My, my daughter is gone, and I'm driving, and she's not there, and I'm just running all these things. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do? And, I, and I started thinking, well, I'm going to hunt who did it down. <laughs> you ever seen Taken? That was me. Like, it went from, like, freaking out to Liam Neeson. I have a certain set of skills. Okay? That was pretty bad. Sorry. But, and then, then she calls my wife again. She's here. My, my daughter had gone on. It was raining, and she'd gone on a walk just around the neighborhood. And we didn't know. And she was back safe with her umbrella. Like, what? Hey, how are you guys doing? And, and so I just said, well, I'm, I'm coming home anyways. And I came home, and I just looked at my daughter, and, and, it, and I, just, <laughs> I just hugged her. And nothing had changed. Like, nothing had changed except I thought she was gone. But she wasn't. And in that instance, like, my perspective shifted because I realized all the things that I would want to have said to her and all the things that I would want to have done and all these things like that I didn't get a chance to do. And so to become this person who is truly grateful, I encourage you to do an exercise. Envision what you've been given, all the things that you've been given, and envision that you no longer have it. Just do that. Just think about all that you're, you're, you know, you look and you say, I'm, I'm blessed. Like you have a job. Envision like you no longer have it. Somebody you love that's close to you. Envision they're no longer here. And envision the bank account, which whatever money you have in it, envision that it is zero. And that's the kind of life that we're supposed to live. Because without God's goodness to us, we would live as people with nothing at all. And in America, we very rarely remember this, but we are so blessed. And the goodness that God has given us flows from his hand to us. But because he doesn't hold on to it, sometimes we don't even think he's there. He just it flows through his hand from him 
to us, out of his goodness to us. And so if you don't think that you've been given so much, envision your life without it. And the best part of that is now it's back. And live life like you have it because you do. And that's how you become a grateful person. So I want to close out with, with some next steps this morning. And we're going to do these each month. And so each month, the idea of the Bible and the idea of coming to church is never to gather in a place and then just leave. And be like, that was good. That was helpful. These people are helping us with offering. They're not leaving because, oh, I'm not grateful. They're helping. Okay? Just tidbit there. Um, what, what you want to do is, is the, the point of Scripture is, okay, we need to... Now there's a mass exodus. It's like, everyone's here. Uh, now what we need to do is, is how do I take what, what I learn and apply it? And that's what you continually have to do when you follow Jesus. Not just knowledge, but how do I take what I've learned and apply it? And so the first next step I want to encourage you. So pull out your connection card. And you'll... On the back side, there has some sections where they've got next steps. Now, this first next step is a little bit different. And this is for those of you who have never decided to follow Jesus Christ as the boss of your life. I talked about being the type of people that are grateful, that turn blessing into praise, that realize we can focus on what we have and not get robbed by what we don't. If you've never gotten to that point where you you've experienced that kind of blessing from God, like you, you just don't know who he is or you don't know what it means to follow him and you just have some questions about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. If you mark on the back of your connection card, contact me, there's a section there, you can see it, I think it's on the screen. Contact me, that first part that says following Jesus. If, if you want to be the type of person that learns how to truly be grateful, but you don't know how to do that and you, you don't even know what that means, We'd like to follow up with you about what it means to follow Jesus. That's why we exist as a church. We want to help people experience refreshing life in Jesus Christ. The type of life filled with gratefulness. And so if, if you've never decided to follow Jesus, uh, if you mark that, we will follow up with you. And we'll walk you through. We'll just explain what the Bible says is a definition of a Christian. So you'll know. And then we'll ask you, if, is that something that you want to do in, in your own life? And you can invite him in to lead. So if you've never done that and you're interested, uh, mark that. There's some other next steps, too, that, that you can write uh, on there. The first is, put that up on the screen, complete the I'm grateful plan this week. I, there's actually a Bible plan that you can do that's four days. If you've not read the Bible much, a great way to get used to reading the Bible is to actually just do it and read the Scripture. If you check that, I'm going to send you an email with a way to access a four-day Bible plan. It's got some things that you can read in the Scripture and then a little like paragraph or two that you can learn from. And you can just do that any four days this week. So if you mark that, make sure your email is on the connection card, and that way I can send it to you. So that's the first next step. The second is this. Write two thank you notes. So this week, write two. The first note is this. Write a thank you note. To God. If you've never talked to God, this might be a little counterintuitive because now you're like writing to him. But this, this isn't like Santa. You can actually think through what are the things that you've been given in your life that you know 
that the only reason you have that is because of God. And so you write a thank you note. It, it doesn't have to be letter form. It can be whatever you want, but thank you, God, for. And just list out some things. That's a great way to recognize all that you've been given is just write a thank you note to God. And just keep that by your bedside table. Keep that somewhere where you can see it to remind you. The second note that you could write is to somebody in your life that has blessed you a great deal. It could be a spouse. It could be a friend. It could be a coworker. It could be a parent. It could be a child. Who's someone in your life that's blessed you and you're grateful for that person? But you know what? You haven't told them. And so write, write a thank you note to them. And you could just, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be a more grateful person, and so I just wanted to thank you for a few things and just list those things. That will encourage that person, which leads to the next next step, which is this. I'll come back on 12-16. Next month, we're going to be talking about the phrase, I'm encouraging. How can I be an encouraging person? Well, writing a thank you note to someone else is actually one of the ways that you can do that. But I want to invite all of you to come back next month. And so mark that. Just make a statement right now. Like, I'm going to decide to come back. And on that, as we're just getting started, I want to just kind of walk through this phase real briefly of where we are in church life. Uh, This is, like Joel said, our second ever service. And so we're learning a lot. And we're trying to figure out how to maximize the space that we've been given here at the school, how to reach people and meet them. And so we're meeting once a month to gather people and meet them, and then we're doing different events, and we're doing different service projects, all that Joel had walked through. So one thing that I encourage you is go at your own pace, but take next steps with us. If you're interested in helping us, I want to speak to you. If you're interested in helping the church get off the ground, and there's something about this that excites you, there's a lot that could stress you out, like, where do I go? How do I get there? But if you're interested in helping us, like I want to help right here and right now. I want to be a part of the beginning story of Ridgeview Church. If you write on your connection card to launch, I'll follow up with you. And I won't knock at your door, but I'll send you an email. And it will say, you indicated launch, which says to me that that you'd like to help the church get off the ground. If that's you and there's just something about this phase, like you want to be in on the, the beginning part of this story. Right launch on there. And I'll follow up with you and I'll have some just ways that you can get involved. And so if that's you, write that on there. Last but not least, and then I'm going to be done. Please invite your family and friends to what we're doing. We need help meeting people. Uh, We have a small team that's helped us get the church started. There's eight adults and six kids. There's 14 of us. We have different churches that are helping us in our network put together all that we need for a service. But one of the things that we just want to do is is we want to meet people and we want to share God's love with them. We want to be kind. We want to serve. And you guys are greatest at doing that because you know people, because you live here. And we're just moving into this area this summer. So if you can't tell your family and friends, there's flyers back there on the info table. And so tell a friend about it. Tell a neighbor, a coworker. And if you'd like to come back, Bring, bring somebody with you. That'd be great. So thank you guys for being here. I'm going to pray. We're going to receive our offering, and the band's going to come up and lead us in another song. Let's pray. Father, thank you for 
every good and perfect gift that you have given to us. Thank you that we are people who are here today because you have given us life. And we're blessed people because it's flown, traveled through your hand to us. And so, God, we we thank you for that. God, I pray that we will be people that can see what we have and be content with that and not let what we want rob us of what we have. And God, I also ask that you'll help us as we receive blessing to not turn it into our own self-effort or what we've done, but to turn those blessings into praise and thanks back to you. God, we thank you for this church, how you're building it together, how you're filling in all the holes and all the dots and all the connections that need to be made, and you're going before us. So God, it is by your hand that we're here. So we thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.